TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 386, and I'm Olivia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Greg, TV enthusiast from St. Louis. Hey, this is Peter. I live in West Hollywood. Hey, this is Aaron. I'm in Chatsworth. I'm an actor, writer, host, and enthusiast. And this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. All right. Thanks, guys. And this week we have in the news that uh, Yvette Nicole Brown is taking over the Talking Dead, at least they say temporarily while they investigate Chris Hardwick. But I also figure if her ratings are just as good or better, she will be the host of Talking Dead, period. Um, it's a reasonable choice. I, I agree. I like her. I To be honest, I like her better than Chris Hardwick. But um, I feel weird about it because, like I said, it's it's they haven't investigated anything. He hasn't been proven necessarily guilty of anything but uh that's a mire i'm not sure yeah, yeah it's a, it's a it's 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 a slippery slope so I, i'm not sure i feel about it but i do appreciate that amc is like okay well we're going to investigate this we're going to take the time and figure out what's going on but the show must go on for right now and i it's really kind of funny because the reason that they picked her is because she was always a guest on the show and she was a really great guest on the show um and she's good at it. I like her. So I give that at least a thumbs up. Apparently she's going to be filling in for him at Comic-Con as well. well for yeah, all the that, panels was, that was the first he was scheduled thing. for. Yeah, yeah. The, that was the first thing they announced. And then today they just announced that she would be taking over because August 13th or something, it's coming back for fear. So they needed a host for fear. And I mean, Chris might be back for The Walking Dead when he comes back in October. I, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if she'll do Talking Saul as well. Hmm. No, I haven't done that in a while. I don't, know. I don't remember if she was ever part of the group for that. Was no, was she, she was, ever in no, on the no, discussions? No, I don't think so. But I mean, hmm. she better go do her homework on some because I don't know if they're doing talking Saul. Yeah, hmm. and then there's talking preacher, which will come back at the end of the season, so they'll have to find somebody for that too. Yeah, but they Maybe don't. Her they don't else. consistently do that one. Like no, but are... it's like be, at the beginning of the at the end they'll they'll do that for. They didn't do it at the beginning of shows. this season, but anyway. well, I think because of their they ran into a little bit of problem before <laughs> the season started. So yeah, um, so yeah, it may they may not do anything for the end, or they may actually do it with somebody else. We'll see. Yes, um, Joss Whedon has hit the big time. Uh, he has a new series called The Nevers that is going straight to series without a pilot order at HBO. So, oh, whoa, HBO. Yeah, huh. HBO, yeah. yeah. So this is like, come on, be the next Game of Thrones? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about a bunch of Victorian women who have abilities. And I don't know what that means. But, uh, yeah. He's back. He's back on television, or he will be. I just don't want like they do with Westworld, where it's like we do a season every two years. Please no. Um, but it's called the Nevers, in case you didn't hear. Okay, Down Abbey is coming back as a movie. Woohoo! Really? Right. Is it? You didn't think it had a conclusion <laughs> at the end? Like, do you need a movie? I I think I, I well you know they they wrapped up a bunch of things, but. In terms of the things that happen historically that affect the the upper classes in England, there's more they could do. I mean, they still haven't uh, approached World War II, which could be a factor, and in how the the family is uh, is affected. And I, I, there's just a lot of class changes that happen over the the course of the 20th century that I think they could do a lot with. So yeah, I think there's definitely uh, fodder for a movie. All right. Um, Pose has been renewed for season two at FX. Yay! Uh, Yay! I know, <laughs> I know some of our our people are are watching that and fans. 
Uh, Jason Momoa has been cast in a drama called C for Apple. Um, and this is technically movie news, but it will affect The Walking Dead, which is Denai Guerrera is in talks to star in um, Godzilla vs. Kong. And she's, I know, right? Laugh. Because the movie's not going to be about her at all. But uh, it'll be a big paycheck. And oh, yeah. then she's also in talks to star in the next Star Trek. Oh, so, okay. so she's got two movie deals looming, which to me says she's not going back. Her her contract with The Walking Dead ends in November. Ah. So at the end of this season, she's pretty much peace out. If she's in talks for two different big blockbuster films, she's peace and out. And obviously black panther sequel yeah black panther yeah, 2 um yeah, yeah. honestly based on what i've seen of, of what's required of actors in godzilla movies she could probably film that in a weekend um but <laughs> i think you know seriously i mean it's not about the human actors let's face no, it so I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a lot Bryan less Cranston, i i did like brian Cranston in it yeah he disappears in five minutes so right right I, 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 I think it's a it's a great paycheck and everything, but uh, it's really not going to take a lot of her time. But Star Trek is is interesting. That that's going to be nice. Yeah, I would. I don't think yeah. I would see the Kong versus Godzilla myself. But well, actually, I like. Actually, I I liked uh, Skull Island. That was pretty good. Yeah, I would see it. I mean, not for, I'm not seeing it for the like Allison said. It's really more just for the monsters. But right. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's going to be interesting because um, with Black Panther, Avengers: Infinity War. Um, she shot those, I think, in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Her that is scene. correct, yeah. So she was able to do Walking Dead with shoots there as well, so it probably wasn't as huge a conflict. But yeah, now that she's getting you know, these larger movie roles, which are going to probably require her to shoot all over the world, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see if she's going to stick with uh, Walking Dead or move forward. I, why would she stay with The Walking Dead? <laughs> like, right. I mean, there's no well, reason. There's no yeah. reason that she should stay... Uh, especially if she's getting offered huge movie roles. Plus, she's doing um, more play. I mean, she got nominated for a Tony for one of her plays. She's writing another play that she's trying to get on Broadway. She's doing some other indie stuff, writing a script for an indie film. So, yeah, it's like she doesn't need The Walking Dead anymore. So she's, I'm pretty sure she's going to be gone. Yeah. Um, and then the last piece of news is the Emmy nominations went out this week. And for the first time ever, Netflix is now on top. It got the most nominations than any other platform. Um, right. But not HBO. Not HBO. HBO got 106, I want to say, nominations. And Netflix got like 110, 111. Uh. So it wasn't a huge difference. But And they said basically Netflix just had more shows. They just had volume. So they had just had so many shows that they nominated for, and they did a big Emmy push for all their big shows. And so they got nominations for Glow, for The Crown, for, um, oh, help me out, people. I'm sure the... They got a lot. They got a lot Uh, for a bunch of, oh, Stranger Stranger Things, Ozarks, Ozarks, and I'm sure they got um, some visual effects for Lost in Space. Uh, So they just had so many more shows than HBO did. And so that's why they, and they didn't win by a lot, just a little bit. And HBO has been on top for like a decade and a half, 15, I mean, a almost time. two decades. So this is a big deal. Um, they just outspend everybody. Yeah. Oh, and the other but it's, thing. It's an interesting thing in terms of the, the changing nature of uh, television. Oh, really. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, as an aside, since I'm part of the union who might be going on strike soon, if you guys didn't know, um, new media pay us because new media which includes Netflix has a separate deal than the studios so they don't have to pay their people as much because they're up and coming and they don't have as much money so they can't afford to pay people the same rate as the studios so they had a separate contract which means right now the job I'm working is a streaming job but they pay me a, like a third less than I normally make because they, they're like, well, we're new media. I'm like, Netflix, come on, stop it. 
you, you're making this much bank off of all this stuff. You can afford to pay your people. That's all I'm saying. All right, moving on. Oh, wait, and also one more thing. Um, Sandra Oh is the first Asian woman to be nominated for an Emmy for Best Drama. Woohoo! For a really? leading woman, yeah. This is the first. I mean, honor. it's sad. It's sad that it took that long, but I mean, yes. I'm happy for her. Like, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Well, it also goes to show too when she told when um, she got the script for um, Killing Eve. She read it and thought that they didn't tell her the correct role. So, like, she read <laughs> the script and they were like, and she was like, "So, who am I auditioning for?" And they're like. Eve and she was like but I don't understand like they had to explain to her that she was auditioning for the lead wow. she didn't get it um, oh so she thought she was the assassin no she thought she was no. going to be a supporting character she didn't think she was supposed to be the assassin but when she was reading the script she kept having more and more lines and more and more pages and she was like wait I can't be auditioning for Eve I must be auditioning for someone else like so which one she, she thought it was, there was a confusion she called her agent back and asked him, you told me Eve, but, but I think that's wrong. So which one is it? And the guy's like, it's Eve. And she was like, but that's the lead. And they're like, yes, it is. And so it's just for her, she said she had to change her mindset to mm. understand that she's a leading woman. Like it didn't even like register. She didn't understand that. Uh, and they had they had asked for her by name for her to audition for the role. Um, so yeah, that's it has. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that needs to change, but let's move on. <laughs> let's start yeah. talking about the shows. All right. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Sharp Objects, and this is a show on HBO starring Amy Adams. Is that right? Jill, written by uh, Jillian Flynn. I read the book. I think it's oh. her first book. Actually. Well, then go um, for it. You read the book. You lead the discussion. Well, think? Jillian Flynn, for most people, is the person who did uh, Gone Girl, which was her third book. Um, Sharp Objects. Uh, what is the middle one? Dark Places, which is a not very good movie with Charlize Theron. Um, I was excited about um, Sharp Objects. I was just curious to see how you would make this into a show. And I think as a season of television, it'll work. I'm just not sure what's going to happen afterwards. Um, but... It's good. I mean, like, as I recall, I think Jillian Flynn lives in Chicago, and this is it's essentially kind of a fictional version of her, which is like it's a character from a small town, but she's working in the big city as a reporter, and then she, her boss, her editor-in-chief is like, oh, you know, there's a murder in your small town. You should, you know, I want you to go check it out. And, of course, she doesn't want to go back there. Uh, and then the pilots, we see why she doesn't really like her hometown and her own issues. Um, and well, I think I, I would say go ahead. the plot is there are now t there was a girl missing, I think a couple of years ago, and now there's a new girl missing and, oh no, no, one was dead. And now we don't know about the new girl and are they connected? I would say with that, would you say that is basically what's going on? Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But yeah. I, I would say, um, the pacing in the open was a little slow because it took a yeah, while I, for me to engage. Yeah. I would agree. I think that, I think that this, um, it's directed by the guy who directed all the episodes of, um, he's French. He directed all the, he, all the episodes of, um, uh, a show with Nicole Kidman and everybody. Um, Big Little Lies. Um, he directed all those and he also directed Wild. And he, he's, his movies, I don't know if it's his editor or his like directing choice, but he's always really big on like, he kind of has female characters that have, issues and their issues seem to like bleed into their reality and so in this we're never really quite sure what you know there, there's an opening as i recall where you see these little girls and then the little girl end up waking her up and we see it's a time jump but really that's her right you know like um but i really like that i like it's, it can be a little confusing and you're right it is a little slow but i like that style of kind of like getting in the headspace of the main character um so i i like that about his work um, so yeah, but I would, agree. yeah, it, 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 it's a slow beginning, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm Amy, you know, I really like Amy Adams and yeah, I mean, so it's good cast. So, uh, what do you guys think? Allison, your, your thought. Um, yeah, I, 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 
am sticking with it, and there's elements of it that I like. I, I love Amy Adams. You know, she's one of the main draws for me. I hadn't read the book. Um, the the whole show is a little. I don't know. It it seems over familiar in terms of just uh, you know its its basic concept, its plot. Um, you know, the whole the whole kind of Southern Gothic thing. It feels sort of like they've merged like. Tennessee Williams with Truman Capote and into one thing and, you know, put a feminist spin on it. Um, but it, it, the thing that I do like about it is this kind of melding of fantasy and reality, not really fantasy, but people's interior lives, right. what's going yeah. on in their head and, and visualizing that as if, you know, you're watching it happen it's almost like being haunted by ghosts where someone will be walking through a hallway and you'll see some little girl suddenly sitting there and she's not really there it's just that's what that person is thinking of or remembering for a moment you know and things like that flit in and out and i really like that as a stylistic choice for the for the show it's just the storyline itself doesn't seem all that fresh to me now i mean i could be wrong and i'm hoping i'm wrong and i'm hoping things pick up and get more interesting but right now it just seems a little you know familiar to me but i i do like stylistically what they're doing i would agree i I would say that there was a point in the first 20 to 30 minutes where i almost turned it off because it was so slow that i wasn't i i didn't feel any motivation to keep going However, once she meets the uh, cop in the bar and they start having a conversation, I was like, okay, well, this is a little more interesting. And it started to pick up a little bit at that point, and I was like, fine, I'll just finish the pilot. And I think it's a weird thing where I like all I like the flashback elements at the top when they did that. I thought it was great, but then I got tired of it as it went on There's when they kept doing it. I wasn't as impre- moved or impressed by it later and i do feel like this is the kind of show that could take advantage of binge watching i don't know if i would tune in week to week but if i had like a few hours to just sit and crunch the episodes i'd probably do that Um, i would say that and you know look i will say that i don't know on this podcast who watched or finished big little lies but i kind of had the same feeling with the pilot of big little lies and then i didn't watch it And then months later, everybody was like, oh, it gets really good. You should finish it. And then I did. I binged it, like you said. And I really liked Big Little Lies. But I would agree this is kind of the same where I'm kind of like, and I agree with Allison that it's funny because I also watch um, Riverdale and it, and also we just had, you know, Twin Peaks and stuff. But it it is interesting how we have a lot of shows um, that are in the true crime realm or in the realm of like, there's some dead person and it's a small town and we're all investigating what happened. And, the, right. and that trope mm-hmm. has been done a lot. Like, and it's funny when you say Southern Gothic, I totally forgot about what was the one with Kevin Spacey. Is that midnight in the garden of good and evil? Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I will keep going, but yeah, I understand too. I understand if you're saying, uh, I might wait, wait and see if people say it was worth, I, I get that, you know? Um, I'm curious about the next episode, you know, but right. oh, I will say, yeah, being the being the only guest who's who's uh, uh, actually from St. Louis, um, I just I got whoa, a little whoa whoa, Mister, I'm from St. Louis. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, you're a transplant now. Um, what? But... I got kicked out of St. Louis. All right, continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I yeah, I just I got a little bit distracted uh, and and had to look past it because. You know, they kind of show, you know, she's supposed to be from this newspaper in St. Louis. And then they actually show her, they actually show her actually driving into Illinois. If you see what highway she's on. Yeah, I saw that. Illinois, but yet she's supposed to end up in Wingap, Missouri. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why would you have any sort of sign that says last exit of anything if you were staying in the same state? And so I had to kind of look past, okay, okay, that's fine. They just wanted to, you know, show her driving. Well, that, was her enti- her. that was her interior monologue that was on the sign. That was the last exit you get before you you have to go home. Turn around. Yeah. Okay. You know, it it was an actual sign. Well, go ahead, Greg. Yeah. So let Greg let let Greg go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, I think it's worth. I I actually had to watch it twice because, again, for the same reasons, it it was kind of slow, and uh, I was kind of wondering: Am I supposed to be concentrating on the murder thing? Am I supposed to be concentrating on all of her demons that she has? And 
and it, it took me a little bit to, to get into it. Um, the only uh, I, I just call uh, shenanigans on the you know like the the ending scene when she's getting in the tub. She's got all these carvings all over her body, and she's got like tons of carvings on her back. And I'm like, okay, I don't know about you, but my arms don't bend like that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad I'm not the only person who was thinking that. I'm thinking, how did she? <laughs> no, you guys are you guys are totally right. And I would say that is something that it's it's classic um, difference between literature and a visual medium because when you read in the book about all those, you know, scars and scars slash tattoos, you just, you know, your mind makes it up. But when you see it in real life, you are very much like, wait, how would you actually do that? Like, yeah. So you're right. Yeah. It's a weird thing where in a book it works, but yes, in reality. Also, I wanted to say, Greg, um, I could have swore and it. It's either, it's either sharp objects or dark places, but I could have swore that because Jillian Flynn is um, Chicago. And I thought the story is, in the, it's in like a uh, Southern Illinois and she works at like the Tribune. So this whole thing, so when you were just now being like, yeah, the freeway is Illinois, cause I was weird cause I was like, yeah, I'm like, I thought that the book is Illinois, but maybe they changed it. I don't no, know. Or maybe he's, I'm ta- he's talking about the highway. Like, yeah, well, he's talking about the highway she was on and the direction she was going. St. Louis was right on sense. the border from Missouri to Illinois and that last stop is like you are now leaving Missouri and going to Illinois which is what he's he's right that doesn't make any sense but anyway right, right, right. Okay. let's let's yeah. move on let's move on uh, but, but are you are, are we all going to watch episode 2 I will probably eventually maybe not next week or this week maybe it'll be like when I have two stacked um I feel like I want to stack before I watch the next one Allison? Yeah, I'm going to be watching it. Greg? Yeah, yeah, I think I will. All right. Oh, okay. All right. That's Next good. up, we're going to talk uh, about Preacher. And Greg, I remember I talked to you right before we both watched the episode, and you said this was the make it or break it episode for you for Preacher. And I'm curious, did it make it or break it for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, Yeah, we have an episode where stuff actually happened. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, if they keep this up, then it makes it an interesting show to watch. It was this uh, episode two was just like it was all about the gun scene, um, you know, shoot up thing in the beginning, and then there was nothing else. Like the characters didn't, did, nothing basically, nothing happened to the characters for the rest of the app, uh, and that's what I didn't like about last season. But um, but yeah, this was uh, this was uh, this episode was really good. Uh, Tulip going to see the. Um, I guess the rival of, of, uh, you know, preachers, I guess, uh, grandma, that would be, uh, his grandma. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, her, uh, seeming to have like real power as she's able to close windows with her mind and things like that. Well, the grandma has real powers too. So it would make sense that they were both have powers, but Tula kind of, it's, what's weird is Jesse keeps telling her, his grandmother's way more powerful than she could imagine. Super dangerous. And you should stay away from her. And so she's, like, not taking him that seriously. And she really needs to take this a little more seriously. Um, but, yeah, I like the episode. Uh, but I was afraid it wasn't going to work for you. Because I was like, oh, I don't know. Did stuff happen? Like, I was trying to, like, guess as I was watching if you would consider things happened. But, uh, Allison, what do you think? Um, I liked it. And yeah, a lot of stuff happened in this episode. I mean, Tulip finally had a kind of a little mini showdown with God. Um, Oh, that's right. She punched him in the face. Yeah. Um, and, and then howled at him as he ran off. But, uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. Obviously he's not so much after Tulip as he's after Jesse and, and the, uh, the Genesis, but, um, watching where that goes is going to be is going to be interesting and also what's happening now with cassidy and they've got this like demonic fight club happening uh oh, down right. in in the tombs well jesse um, Je- uh, not jesse cassidy is tripping like he the fact that he got a love potion who i mean you have to assume it's for tulip for tulip that, yeah. that's kind of underhanded man like i can't get behind jesse with that like not jesse i can't because cassidy, cassidy. I understand that he's jealous that he's in love with uh, Tulip and he keeps telling her to leave Jesse and she won't do it. You can't force her to do it. 
She's no, not but he also he also thinks that he also thinks that she is in danger by not leaving, and he's right there, and he f- figures this is the only way he's going to get her to do it. Not that I'm excusing what he does. Well, I mean, it's there's beyond it's, stupid, it's, but it's twofold. It's not just that he thinks that's the only way to get her to go, but he does want her to be in love with him. If it if it was different, if he wasn't in love with him or in her, then I'd be like, well, maybe it's selfless, but this is not selfless at all. Yeah, well, I don't think there's anything Cassidy does that is completely selfless. But uh, I think that there's he, he's at least convinced himself that it's for her own benefit because she is in danger there. Frankly, they're all in danger there. Um, but, you know, that's obviously nothing came of that. Nothing is going to come of that. But I'm, I'm interested to see what this whole fight club thing is going on there. Because it seems to it's, it's like I don't know if maybe it was just Jesse adapting to old habits or whether there's really something going on with the hat. But as soon as he put that on, it's like his personality shifted and, and like he suddenly became genuinely evil. So, um, what's going to happen with, with all of that? Well, I mean, he uh, put, he put Cassie in there cause Cassie was stupid and didn't listen to him. And he had a situation where Cassie was either going to be left out to burn in the sun or he gives them a chance to live with this fight. Right. And hopefully be able to to sneak him out. But at the same time, it looked genuinely like something shifted in him when he was down there. And um, I want to know if that's just, you know, he's playing along, he's acting or whether he's there's something really under the influence going on in the tombs. Well, let's wrap this one up. I think we're saying thumbs up. Definitely. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about a new show on the CW called The Outpost. And you know, Madonna, <laughs> Madonna once spoke about changing the landscape of sound and how <laughs> things change. And I think we're at that point. We are at ground zero of a new kind of narrative form. Is it new? Right, I feel but... like I feel like it's exactly like Xena and uh, Hercules. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if I would say that's new. It is... It's like Xena if Xena employed no one with any talent whatsoever. I mean, I, I guess this is the version, this is the, is this what, is this in a sense what becomes the guilty pleasure? Because I will say I did finish it, and by the end, I was like, oh, damn it, now I have to see what happens next. So I mean, like, <laughs> really? I mean, I guess. Uh, he's, means... he's, he's not entirely wrong, because what happened was we were watching it together, like, he he was yeah. like, I'm about to watch Texting. the Alice post. And I was like, oh, let me watch it too. And so then we were texting <laughs> each other as we were watching it. And by the way, that improves the viewing 100%. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then when we oh, both got yeah. to the end, I was like, I kind of want to see what happens next. I did have that exact same feeling. But I think it only works if we watch it at the same time. I don't think I would like go out of my way to watch more of this. It was so much more fun to just be snarking on it as you're watching it. Well, right, like my Wi-Fi went down, and then I had texted Libby, and I was like, clearly my Wi-Fi is smarter than me. Like, uh, <laughs> he's like, why are you watching this? Like, you know, like, um, yeah, see, I made the mistake of watching it by myself, and I, I right. was, like, tearing my hair out before this thing could finish. Oh, man, <laughs> I, had whole, I had so much fun. off my DVR so fast. Oh, man, I had so much fun. We had a, we had a blast. Just yeah. Well, I imagine if you you know if it's, you watch it in a group and if you watch it, especially you add alcohol to it, I'm sure this, this, this <laughs> is great viewing. I'm sure this is the most exciting show on TV. Oh, but um, yeah, watch it sober and alone. No, not so much. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, you have comment. I can hear you. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm just laughing. Um, I did not watch it on purpose. Um, <laughs> I was waiting to hear the reviews to see if I should watch it. Well. And I, mean, I will watch it once drunk. I was about to say, <laughs> if you're drunk and with the crowd, it's yes. great. Right. It, it's great. Uh, if you're trying to watch a, a fun sci-fi fantasy show with an actual narrative and art and, and great cine- cinematography, this is not that show. <laughs> this, this is not it. Well, do you know, we were talking about this. Um, I feel like as a person who... You know, I, I like Riverdale, and I think everybody on this podcast is, in some form or another, we watch CW shows. And while CW is not HBO, they, they have, you know, they're well shot. This really looked cheap. Like, and I was, so is this, Libya, your theory is, is that 
this, this is, is not something CW Aus- made. Yeah, this is an Australian production that CW bought. Yeah, bought it for like a summer. Like, yeah, we'll just air this in the summer. Well, like, they don't it, have they don't have any summer shows, and they don't have the production and whatever the money to do a summer show. So they just bought this show and threw it up to see if they could get a summer audience. Um, I mean, this is not the test. I think this is this is a horrible test if they really wanted to know. Um, but. If you, go in, if you go into it with snark and you anticipate how bad it is, it's fun. But if you go in expecting a good show, this is not well, it. Yeah. Well, what's funny to me is that, like, I mean, the acting is... Terrible. Terrible. Um, but what's weird about it is that, um, have we all seen um, the 80s uh, Flash Gordon? Yeah. 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 Now... The Flash Gordon movie, obviously, like Timothy Dalton and Max von Sydow, there are movie, there are actors in them that that, that kind of know that it's campy and they play campy. The main guy in Flash Gordon is a very blank actor, but he's always kind of in a good mood. So you're like, he's he's not a good actor, but okay. This girl, she's all her character or her, she's always so pissed off, and it's not like it's not like a fun kind of pissed off. It 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 feels somehow grating and monotone it's a weird like i'm like what it's like i just don't i'm not engaged by you like it's and actually i would say that um again i'm, I'm stealing from libby here but in early on in the episode we do a flashback where we basically see the little girl and while the little girl's not great either i was more entertained by her if yes. that makes sense yeah i thought not the flash she's great no, when you're thought... outacted by an eight-year-old, you know, you really, yeah. <laughs> really kind of need to go back to acting but, class. Well, why is, but it's like, it's weird to me because I'm like, I don't think all of us who've seen Flash Gordon, I don't think any of us would say the guy in Flash Gordon's a great actor, but for some reason, it, I don't mind it. I'm like, ah, he's fine. But for some reason with her, I was like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like it takes me out of it or something. Does that make sense? I don't know. Like, I understand what you're saying. However, my brother watched it. And he was just like, that was hilarious and fun. I'm totally watching next week. And I was like, all right. So Wait, he had really? this, yeah, thought... he was amused by it. Like, I mean, he came at it kind of the same so. way we did, which is like, it's campy and snarky and it's stupid, but it's still fun. Sure. Well, so is, like... It like, so is it like Legends then? Oh, it's so much worse. <laughs> it's, it's not. No, Legends, it's... Has a Legends is just like fun. Yeah, but Legends yeah, but actually has way. money. Like, their green screen on this, you can yeah. see it. Yeah. You can see the blend, like, that ba- like that background's not real. Like, you can see it. <laughs> you know, it, it really looks like something that was made in the 80s. It, it does it's look It's pretty bad. Yeah. It, it's pretty yeah. bad. But you have to it, see it to believe it. It's one of those things. <laughs> it also feels like one of those, yeah, I would say late 80s or 90s. It has that quality of, like, where you don't, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying the CW is the height of art or anything, but when you're watching any of those Berlanti superheroes, like Legends or Supergirl or Arrow, there's like a, there's like a point of view or a tone that they take. And then that's what you, and it's consistent. This is not like that. Like, there's a scene where she is, she's at some, she, she had a bar or something, and there's some guy that's going to give her a drink, and his acting is so, like, in a completely different kind of television show where I'm like, what is going on? Like he's like like going so over the top and he's like, he's, he's, he's like smirking and like, and I'm just like, what? Like that's where I'm just like, what is this? I'm like, what? Like, well, let's move on. Let's let's move on. Let's not wait for episode two. (laughs) (laughs) I will say I'm probably going to watch episode two for no other reason that at the very, the very end yeah, the very end, something surprising happened. I was like, "Oh, uh, what are they going to do about that?" Like, I, yeah, I, I kind of want to know. Like, yes, yeah. I am. Little curious. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the plot at all. It doesn't so. matter. Does not matter. <laughs> there was a plot. I know. Was I was like, no, it doesn't matter. Let's they let's killed move. her village. You know, I don't know. But uh, okay. yeah. All right, let's move on. That's enough discussion about that show. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Colony. And we're getting towards the end of Colony, and things are moving, and plots are happening, and apparently Seattle is the resistance, which I was surprised and not surprised by. Like, it, like as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. 
Um, so I like the twist that it's taken. I think that's pretty cool. No, I, I, I thought it was a good episode. I, I uh, realized, though, that I didn't actually watch the whole app, but I did. Um, I, I did. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was entertaining to see, you know, Snyder, um, you know, pulling out his bag of tricks and trying to. And you getting know, outsmarted. Under- that's what I liked. Kind of take. Yeah. Try to take things over. And, and uh, you know, because it kind of reminded him that he was kind of like this like mousy kind of guy like back when he was in L.A. And that's why he got moved to uh, different posts. But but now he's, you know, at least trying to be a crafty villain. But what's great is there's that moment where he's talking to the guy that's in charge of Seattle. And he's like he looks at Snyder. and He's like, do you know the difference between cunning and intellect? <laughs> and Snyder's like, what? And I was like, the answer to that is no, you don't know the difference. Because he was like. I'm going to show you. <laughs> and I was like, that was awesome. Because his thing was like, you could be as cunning as you want, but I'm way smarter than you are. And it really put that in perspective. And because we've been seeing it kind of from Snyder's point of view, because they've been showing us what he's been doing. But what we haven't been seeing is, uh, Oh, I forgot the guy who's in charge of Seattle. I forgot his name. Wayne Brady. Uh, yes, thank you, Wayne Brady. We've <laughs> uh, we haven't really been seeing what he's been doing until this episode, and he's like, "Launch the initiative, do the thing, have the rally points, blah 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 blah." And you can tell he's been planning this for a long time, and it all comes together very very quickly, and it was it was awesome. So all the things that he's been lying about, hiding about, have all been that he's he's basically leading a resistance cell, and nobody knew it. You know, so I thought that was great, and I, I I'm excited to see where it's going. So they hooked me now. Before I was like, eh, I don't know, but yeah, I'm a hundred percent in at this point. Agree or no? Greg? Agree. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the originals. And this week's episode was basically um, uh, Klaus being the worst father ever uh, because he decides that since his daughter's in a lot of pain, he's just going to let her kill a lot of people so that she's not in as much pain. Because that makes sense. As Elijah was like, what are you doing? And he was like, ah, you know, we're a, we're a family of murderers. Let's get her started off. Let's see, see how many people she can kill. It'll be fine. Uh, and of course she does end up killing a crap ton of people, but it's not fine. Um, I cared about that story more than, um, oh, what's the witch's name? Somebody help me. Um, the one who was dying or, or, uh, are you talking about Vincent? Vincent. Thank you. Vincent and his dying girlfriend. I did not care about that story because it was too easy. It was like one, they didn't develop her enough for me to care about their relationship. And two, it was all about them getting rid of the barrier for the ancestors. And they've had that forever, since the beginning of Vampire Diaries. And it's like Vincent decides, hey, let's do that. Okay, and then they do it. And I was like, really? It was that easy? <laughs> like, I feel well, what, like somebody else pissed... would have done it before. Yeah, well, what pissed me off about that, well, not really pissed me, it, it, it amused me, is that they've this has literally been a thing since the very first episode of this show the whole right. bit with the ancestors and you know who they were going to sacrifice Davina and the other girls too and blah 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 and all of this has been going on so everyone knew how bad it was right. for the ancestors and apparently everyone was perfectly okay with that until his girlfriend was going to join I them. know right so it's like, let's do this wonderful thing for our ancestors. And of course, my girlfriend. Right. No, which, I thought was, which was I thought was ridiculous. I was like, that makes no sense. If you could have done this this easily and just you gotten your power from the earth, then why didn't you do this so long ago? The, well, the only other thing about the episode that really stood out to me was, you know, saying goodbye to Josh. Which was, which was why? Sad. Why did they kill Josh? I know, I know. It's like, he's he's like one of my favorite parts of the show. And, well, at least he got a good send-off. He got to go to a good place. But still, it's like, don't do that. Don't and kill Josh. And it came Josh. out of left field. I was not amused. Yeah, no. And now I get the feeling they're just going to kill everyone by the end. Like, that, that feels like, because, I mean, we killed Haley. And that actually made sense when they killed her, because it set off all this story. 
But killing Josh doesn't do anything as far as I can tell. So I don't know why they did it other than to do it. So, boo on that. All right. So overall, I like this episode of the originals, but it makes me a little scared of where we're going towards the end. Yeah. All right. Next up, let's talk about Cloak and Dagger. And this was probably the best episodes they've had all season. In that the two of them worked together. They both knew how to use their powers. And it was all for one goal. And they were, well, when they weren't, they had a bit of time where they weren't united, but they were. And so, yeah, I think this was the best episode they've had so far. Uh, Anybody else? Thoughts? Who else is Um, in Cloak and Dagger? Okay. Well, I'll just say that. I still have issue. Um, this is probably the better episode so far, but um, I still have um, just some issues um, with the show itself. I think only because coming from the comic book lore, um, I feel that there's some things that are missing that I think were built into their original stories that you see that the two of them basically in the books can't survive without one another. They keep getting drawn to each other because they need each other and they balance each other perfectly. So I feel like that's missing for me throughout um, the show so far, but this one was the best episode to date for me, but I, I just feel like that that's, those are elements that are missing. There's certain character traits that were innately built into them, um, which also not only using their powers, but also just because of who they are as people who Tandy and Tyrone are, they're drawn to each other as well on a human level and on a kind of super powered level. So I, I think I, they're building to that. I think they're, they're getting there, especially with this episode, because they had to work together to get into that alternate, like inside of that guy's yeah. brain. And then they had to work together to get out. Yeah. So this was the first time that not only did they use their powers properly, but they actually worked together properly. And then it showed what happened when they didn't work together properly. So I think that they're on the road to what you want. Um, And this uh, this episode was good because we got to see inside the guy Ivan's head and learn more about the accident and how her father died and all that stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have to say about that. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about 12 Monkeys, which finaled out last week. And when I say we, I mean Allison, because I am still behind. Go ahead, Allison. Um, well, yeah, it did uh, reach its finale last week. And I wanted to give it a heads up because we haven't really been discussing this show for a while now. But um, it's it's one of, I think, the best science fiction shows on television mm. and it's it really has gotten short shrift because it's on sci-fi and sci-fi has a tendency to ignore their shows uh, a lot and not really advertise them the way they should and especially when they decide okay this is going to be the last we're going to blow off these episodes they, they um, really blew off the episodes. they really blow off the episodes they actually did better this year than they did last year they did it in a weekend the entire season last season and this time at least they did it like three episodes at a time at a, over a course of a month um which is 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 just so disgraceful when you when you have a show that is that good and mm. and really deserves that kind of love it's like if they had actually shown it the kind of attention that it deserved it it might still be on on the air but it, it, having gone as far as it did they what I can say, without giving away any spoilers or anything, if you want a show that is is uh, like time travel, where they really do it properly, where they tie up all the loose ends and they don't leave a lot of loose nonsense where you're going, wait, but what about, which happens so often with these kinds of shows, um, they, they really just tie up everything perfectly and by the by the time you get to the end there is such a sense of wow that was perfect i am i'm sorry i'm not going to be seeing it anymore but i am totally 100 percent satisfied with what they did and and i came away from it just thinking it was probably one of the best finales of anything i have i have seen and um just the show as a whole all the way through the characters the writing everything 
conceptually that they do. It's clear that they, unlike so many other shows I could mention, really did have a plan for what they were going to do at the end, how all of this was going to, you know, tie up together and what everything was going to mean and where they were going to get to at the very end. And it's by the time you get there, you just feel like, yes, I have seen a complete story. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely encourage anyone who hasn't watched it or may have watched it and, you know, kind of forgot that it was there to go out of your way, try to find it. You will not be the least bit disappointed. All right. Hey, Allison. I'm Allison, sold. would you, Allison, as a, um, as a person who I saw the first season of Magicians, I saw the first season of The Expanse, mm-hmm. and I'm, eh, I got like five more episodes left on Westworld season two. Do you think 12 Monkeys is, is or sorry, uh, sorry, uh, do you think it's better than um, the other two? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's better because it's different. Yeah, I would think, though, that I w- what I would say is that it breathes the same rarefied air. It's okay. in the same category of, of intelligent programming, programming that, that doesn't insult you as a viewer, that actually, I mean, they, they were tying up things that I'd forgotten about and went, oh, wait, yeah. Um, it, it just, it was meticulous. It was absolutely meticulous storytelling. And I appreciate that highly. I, I like to have my intelligence taken for granted when I'm watching a show that, you know, I will be able to keep up and that, and that they really aren't trying to pull something over on me and say, yeah, we've got it figured out when they don't. This was just excellent. It really was all the way. And, and if you've seen the movie, they pay homage to the movie while at the same time being a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I do love the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah, I like, I liked 12 monkeys season one and in season two, something happens where they go like the fifties and I was like, man, I don't know if I'm feeling this. And like, and so that's where I stopped. Um, but I'm sure it picked up and everything. I mean, I, I thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, I really I, not every episode of anything is going to be, you know, like the, the best ever. And they, you know, there were some episodes that I just went kind of eh, with too. But then you get back, you get across that to the next episode, and it's like, oh, we're back again. And right. overall, I mean, I would say if you, and it's only four seasons. You get through this; it's it will reward you for viewing it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Glow, and I'm going to let Peter talk first because I finished. I think uh, me and Allison both finished. And Peter, where are you? Uh, I was watching episode seven when we started the podcast. So essentially, um. They, uh, Ruth, um, was excited to meet like the head of the studio, the network. And then basically he came on to her and she left. And then basically the girl who plays Liberty Bell, I don't remember what her real name is. Is, is a jerk. She she basically (laughs) jumped down her. She's, she's totally a jerk, but you can understand in this period why someone would say what she says. And then it's really great because then in the next episode, Sam um, Sam has one of his old cheesy movies shown at a festival and Ruth goes and she she tells him what happened and he you know he's just like that guy's terrible but the best thing about him is that he's just like oh well this is actually a relief because it means it's not it wasn't really our quality of the show it wasn't what I did it wasn't what you did it's just that he's a terrible Hollywood producer guy you know right, like and right. That was kind of nice. Um, no, I, I like it. The biggest thing about Glow that I always think is the trickiest thing about the show is I really enjoy it, but they actually have, they have a pretty good ensemble cast, and with only two and a half episodes left, I'm already feeling like there's other characters that I wish we got to spend more time on. That's my only criticism, is that I really li- I know why we have to focus on Ruth and Liberty Bell, but like I love the episode, I want to say it's like episode five, and it's basically about one part of it is Liberty Bell being a mom. Oh, and it's like she sells the mattress. But the other is, um, God, I'm so sorry. I don't remember the character's name. Welfare, but it's, queen. Uh, Welfare queen. And her son's at Stanford. And then he goes 
And like that stuff's great. Like I that, love that episode. Yeah. I love that episode. Yeah. And the, her, the the look on her face when she sees. I mean, what she's taken. She, she's sort of normalized in her head how her character is on on screen and all of that. And then she has to face her son's reaction to to this kind of grotesque caricature and all the other characters reactions which are equally horrible and i just watching how that gets to her and and all of that is so so affecting um it's an amazing moment it really is aaron did you have any thoughts um, this is on episode seven. We're talking about. Well, you or, can. You yeah. can. Well, we. I wanted Peter to talk first, and he can mute if he would like. But we're going to finish talking about the show, so you can go. You can talk about anything you want. Oh, all the way to the end. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Well, um, I mean, uh, I think it was Allison who told me that season two is even better than season one, and I 100% agree. Um, I love the direction that the storylines took. Um, I was I, when I when I saw the fight, I, I, I was sitting on the edge of my seat when um, Liberty Bell and Zoya, their character. Oh, yeah. Fight. I was on the edge of my seat because I'm like, is she going to really hurt her? Is oh, she I just saw that. Her? Yeah. It, it was going to, it, didn't, it snapped. I, I screamed. <laughs> I didn't to get emotionally invested. I screamed. And I was like, oh, man, my ankle started hurting. But I thought that that was so genius. And then what I loved was watching all this, this this completely diverse group of people all rush to um, Ruth's side in the hospital to make sure she's okay. And I loved the way, and this is a, a tribute to the writing and to the acting, and I'm going to say the director, to every, the production, everything on the show, because then watching Debbie or Liberty Bell have to then kind of come in there and and she didn't completely apologize for what she did. Oh, she didn't and really then, apologize at all, really. No. And that was genius because then they got into the argument in the hotel room because it's, it's, it was just kind of like from what happened in season one. You right. know what I mean? All, fairy, everything came together. And yeah. I was I was applauding. I was applauding. So I, I, I see these, and they're only like, what, 30-minute episodes or something right, like right, that? Right, right, right. Yeah. They use so much. They don't waste a moment me there's not a moment wasted in any episode and i think that it's just genius all the way up to the end with britannica and cupcake and yeah. i'm like oh my gosh this is awesome man you know so. well, I, I, okay so help me with an argument well not mm-hmm. argument me and uh allison had a had a difference of opinion i'm not gonna tell you which side we took i want mm-hmm. your opinion why mm-hmm. do you think bash married britannica well, I think personally, well, okay. I, I had to think about that one for a second. I was like, why is he married? And then I was like, okay. I, I'm kind of thinking it's a codependency thing because I think he can't be alone. Um, and so the way I took it is that he married her because, you know, his, um, the butler, butler. died. Right. He died. So I, I, I'm figuring that if part of it was the grieving, but also somebody that got him. And so I feel like it was kind of a codependency thing because he, I just took it. This man cannot be alone. He needs to have somebody there in his life that he can cry on their shoulder. Yeah, you know what I mean? Who he could go to when things are going on. So that's the way I took it. Um, okay. That's further away from what I said. But Allison, go ahead. Tell us what you thought. Well, my feelings were, I, I, and I don't negate that because I think that's very true about Bash, is that he, he doesn't do well by himself. He's mm-hmm. he's very fragile that way and he needs somebody who he can lean on so i think that that's that's you know in i think that is definitely part of it but for me when i was looking at it it seemed that it it solved two issues really it, it allowed her to stay in the country and it also provided him with a beard because right. as long as he's married to her he doesn't first of all have to worry about others you know questioning about him and also he can he cannot question himself well i mean that's assume you're assuming that he's gay and well i I think they give you every reason to believe he's gay when he goes when he goes home to his old bedroom he opens up those closet doors and very very pointedly in the closet are all those clippings and 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 posters and drawings all of uh, male wrestlers, wrestlers and muscle. I, just took, uh, I took that as he liked wrestling because that's yeah, why no. he's in wrestling. 
But I mean, I'm not like, and when he was in the gay bar, he was super, super uncomfortable. Like, I got that. So if you're saying, yeah, and and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. Like, I can see the argument that he's gay but doesn't want to admit it to himself or anyone else, and so he marries her. And I'm like, sure. But what I didn't buy was that he was sleeping with his butler. Like that, I don't see that. Right, at all. I didn't see that either. I don't see that. No, so, I think so. I mean, that's why he 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 like deloused the entire house. Well, that's he's, could, that could just be fear of of AIDS. It's that could be fear absolute... of AIDS. Yes, but I think also there's this sense that you know if I do this and I do that and I do the other thing, especially because it's this early in the '80s where people weren't really sure how it was transmitted. You know, I mean, yes, obviously through that sex, but they didn't know if it could go through the air. They didn't know how else it could it could manifest and he i think it's his way of telling himself i'm safe without mm-hmm. doing the the one thing that he really needs to do which is go to a doctor and have a test done. well that's like i said that's assuming he was sleeping with him which i don't think is true but we will find out next season that's I'm true sure. all yes right. um all right uh next up we're going to talk about luke cage and uh i finished luke cage too yay me uh, I know I'm behind. Everybody else finished both of these shows a long time ago, but I only have so much. Not time. me. I still have. I still have three episodes to go. Oh, really? Yeah. And who else? Has I, I just Luke finished Cage? the Danny Rand episode. Ah, uh, okay. I, I've seen the whole season. Um, yeah, I binge watched it. Okay, That's so what... me and you finished. So Allison, you tell us what. Let's do it like we did with Peter. You tell us what do you think of Luke Cage up to where you are. Um, well, you know, I like this season better than last season, definitely, but I think it still suffers from the same kind of uh, thing of taking a, a two-hour story and trying to stretch it out to 13 hours. There's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of, of overly long conversations, a lot of moments where we're just watching people perform music on stage and while it's great music it's like you know i didn't tune in for a concert i want to watch yeah, the, story. the comfort, concert um, aspect of the show got old to me as well but yeah it's just it, it does and every single scene is just dragged out and spelled out and things that other other shows would would just skip over we'd we'd say oh well this happened you know and then move on instead we have to see it take place because mm-hmm. they're they're stretching it out so painfully I wouldn't and say i don't think that doesn't show story. any favors. i would say it's a two-hour story i'd say it's maybe a six-hour story but yes, they are stretching. I'm not disagreeing. Definitely I, stretching it out. I, I mean, I was, think that this season's much stronger than last. It it is stronger. I mean, first of all, they have a much better uh, handle on who their villain is. They don't like keep switching out who's going to be the villain this year. Um, so we we don't have that schizophrenic sense of wait, what happened to the show I was watching uh, three quarters of the way through? And also, they have a much stronger villain because Beastmaster yeah. is you know far more interesting than the Diamondback was. Agree. I, I thought I think also Mariah is showing her colors. I don't know if she is yet where you are, but there's a point of no return for her that happens mm-hmm. when she's trying to get a deal and she's on the yeah. run. I've have, seen have, that. You, have you seen, I've that? seen that? And yeah. then she decides not to go on the run and she's like, My name is Stoner. What what's her name? What what's the last name she Stokes. didn't want? Stokes. Stokes. She's like, My name is Stokes. And like once she does that, she just becomes, mm-hmm. yeah, she just becomes hardcore. And uh, I, she, she, like at that point, I was like, oh, she has to die. Like you know what I mean? Like she, she got past the point of being a partially sympathetic character to uh, not being sympathetic at all. Um, yeah, she does unforgivable things yeah. that that I've seen already. Exactly. So once she passes that point, I'm like, okay. Um, and can you can mute now if you want, because I think we're going to talk about the end. Um, so for me, the way it all ends, it's like when Mariah, even before Mariah knows that she's going to come to the end, she basically sets up Luke Cage to fall. And it's very, po- it's more poetic than I gave her credit for necessarily trying to pull um but her giving everything to luke was just like power will corrupt you too you think you're great you think you're a good person but power will corrupt you and so she's setting him up for a really big fall what did you think 
Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was asking you what you thought of the end. Oh, oh, hey. oh I'm sorry. Throw someone up. Yeah, uh, you know what? I did like that. Um, I like that aspect because I felt like she knew that this was going to be um, something that would totally affect the character of who he is um, and change him irrevocably. So I thought that that was a great... Um, I, I didn't expect that. So I thought that that was really cool. Um, but, you know, one thing that I had issue with at the very end, though, and I felt like I was cheated, was when, um, I can't remember the, the other guy um, who was kind of playing both sides, when he said, Claire is here. Shades? Uh, no? Oh! Shades was the other guy. It wasn't Shades, it's, uh, I know you're talking about, the bodyguard, the driver. Yeah. Oh, and then he said, tell Claire to go home. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. And and the only reason why I didn't like that, I don't feel that that was necessary or needed. She already left in such a, a, a powerful way. I, feel I think like... they were trying to show that he was past the point of yeah. where she could save him. Yeah, but then I would like to have seen her. Um, yeah, either do it or don't do it. I get you, man. Exactly, yeah. What do you mean, just have her come in so that he can, like, destroy her and she can cry and leave? I mean... Well, I don't think oh, she would cry. But... I don't think Claire would do that. But give us the visual, because they're strong actors, both of them. And I think a look would, would you know, what's that old saying, that a look like covers a thousand words and okay. i think we could have got that visual between them the eye contact him up above on the balcony her down below and then she just turns and leaves right. or the guy goes so, and whispers in her ear and she looks at him he looks at her and then she turns and leaves i think that that would have gave us a more powerful moment as opposed right. to him saying tell her go you know I was like, ah. <laughs> you yeah know? you're not wrong you're not wrong yeah. uh greg your thoughts yeah, uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I, I think I told you this, that I just think that um, Alfred Woodard is just going to have to get nominated. Must. I mean, just her, I, it was just incredible. I mean, especially when she was, like, telling her own daughter, you know, mm. in revealing, you know, the backstory of how, you know, how she became pregnant with her. That was and, an amazing oh, scene. It was just fantastic and then and then and 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 i know and yeah um i would have to say that uh, i watched the first two episodes and i got stuck it was like the first two episodes they just seemed like nothing was happening and i got stuck and it's kind of like you know you want to bend something but you're just like okay this is taking too long i had to go back and rewatch it again before i was able to get hooked um Mm. but but i mean even but even though some of the scenes take too long, that one scene where she was, t- was talking to her daughter and they actually showed her like after she was done talking, just walk all the way down the hall and then turn the corner. I thought it was just just brilliant. Um, and also the the actor who plays. Uh, uh, I don't think it's Bush Bushmaster. Bushmaster. Right, right. Yeah, I was saying Beastmaster. I was like, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> Bushmaster. I mean, when he like had them both tied up. Because I thought he was kind of one-dimensional. He, just, he was just angry all the time. But then when he had them both tied up and he was going to light the house on fire and he actually recounts the story of how his house burned down. Um, and so I thought that was just incredible, fantastic, just great acting all around. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. He's a much better villain. And that's what made the series, the second series, so much stronger. Yeah. Is, is just they had, like you said, a coherent story. All right, so we're going to say thumbs up. This is season two goes out better than season one. That's better because Jessica Jones, I would say it's flipped. I think Jessica Jones was a better first season than second season. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about another Netflix show called Kiss Me First. And it, the only reason I watched it is because Netflix kept saying, hey, you'll like this. Hey, you'll like this. And I was like, <laughs> prove it to me. <laughs> Fine, I'll watch it. So I watched the pilot and I was like, nah. That wasn't bad. And it took me a couple days to watch the next one. And then the next one. I think I've watched like four maybe. But what I find fascinating about it is that the lead character is like a teenager who's now living on her own. But she has all these things that are happening. Some of them are coming of age, kind of sexual. And some of them are mental, which is, you know, stuff's going on in the VR game. And who's the guy that's controlling everyone. So... Part of it is, I think, I like the fact that she's really smart. And I like that she's trying to outsmart the guy that's controlling the VR. But at the same time, because she's a kid, she's also not, like, life smart. 
So in life, she's also making a lot of mistakes. So I find that fascinating. Um, I uh, obviously didn't like it as much as you did. Um, I, I, first of all, you kind of lose me with teenage angst stories. And this just didn't seem any different from anything else other than you added the uh, layer of, you know, they're in a video game, uh, which has, you know, been done also just in a different in a different movie. So the, I, I found myself just kind of wavering between two different movies, basically. We've got the teen angst movie on one side and the uh, the video game action movie on the other. And neither of them were terribly compelling to me. And the, the only thing that was vaguely compelling was the suicide of the one kid. Um, but I, I, everybody is so bland about it. Everyone seems to be so non-reactive. Well, because to, everybody to doesn't know on. it happened, that it's real. Like they all well, think... but she does, and she's she just she's like a cipher. She and what whereas you can say, okay, she's in shock because of what happened to her mom. That's still just not very visually interesting to to watch when you're seeing this cipher-like girl wandering around. You know, when all of these other things are happening that she should be reacting to. So I'm I'm just I'm not connecting to the characters really. I don't think that the uh, the digital animation is particularly good. Uh, I realize, you know, they're operating on a, a shoestring budget for this, probably, but it shows, unfortunately. And and well, if at it's least, at least, least it's not the outcast, outpost. It is not that. <laughs> <laughs> Points for not being the outpost. If I had to watch, you know, one or the other, I would definitely watch Kiss Me First. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just I mean, it's not like horrible agonizing terrible vile or anything it's just not, it's just not it's just not very interesting to me it, it's not something i really want to make time for okay well well wait i want to say though um i've seen only like the pilot and i totally agree with allison that the budget's okay and especially because i just rewatched ready player one which is like a oh. 200 million dollar <laughs> spielberg yeah. vr and it's like of course you know however i gotta i gotta say I know we've been jumping on the outpost, but Allison, would you admit though that while I somewhat I, I see what you're saying about there is kind of a sameness there, the lead actress she does have a quality, unlike the girl on the outpost. She, I mean, she can. Well, act. she can act. She can act. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, no, like, I'm not I, saying she. She's not like she's not like the one in the outpost who was clearly just cast because she was a model or something like that. Right. Right. Um, I mean, like the girl on. Um, it's, kiss me first. She's she's got a quality about her that I'm like, I mean, to me, I think she's interesting you know? to watch. I I like watching her. But you, I, so, I think no, she's wait, just wait. being directed to play this character so subdued that I'm just not finding her interesting. My thing was more that, and I'm you know I haven't finished it yet. My thing was more I just don't know how interested I am in this weird. Uh, red the red pill gang, you know, and of course it's not lost on me that you know red pill matrix and mm -hmm. unfortunately red pill has been co-opted by like the alt right or whatever, you know. And so you're watching this British version of them saying the red pill, but I just don't know if that's going to be that awesome, you know. Like, well, well, you, you know, got just, wait in the first episode they get to the suicide, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I would agree that I said I wasn't. Eh, it was okay. Like I. Well, mean, and that's that's basically my reaction yeah. that I had when I watched the pilot. I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I waited about a week and I watched the next one and I, I, I got more engaged. So, well, then that's yeah. good. I mean, yeah. yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. I think we're a little split on Kiss Me First. Uh, I think it's worth giving it a gander because um, I'm, I'm a little further in. I'm about three or four episodes in. And it's only like six episodes, so it's not yeah. like a big time suck. Uh, anyway. So, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can listen to us on GetToPointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.